You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, there's been a, a lot of challenges, but overall, you know, the quarterbacks have, have played well enough for us to win. We got to get better around them. Uh, we got to give them a little more time so they're more comfortable staying in the pocket. We got to get some more weapons in the program, and, and the guys we have on the field uh, need to be in the right spots so the quarterback can trust them there. And, you know, everybody always looks at the quarterback, and there, there's been some good and bad there, and, and certainly having guys nicked up hasn't helped, but we're going to continue to get better around them. We know what we're capable of as an offense. It's just a matter of, of piecing it together. Along with that, I, I, I feel like I started making some, some better throws and, and executing my job, and, and the guys uh, the guys around me had a good game. I think uh, offensively the guys around me did their job well. Um, it was me. You know, I, I missed some throws, and, you know, I'll, I'll take the blame. Uh, I don't want to talk about depth chart or anything like that. Um, Adrian did some really good things, needs to play better. You know, we missed some wide open guys Saturday, and, and that can't happen. I don't know how much of that has to do with, with his health, uh, but the other guys are playing really well. I feel good about the depth there. And welcome here to this bi-week edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus, as you heard Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez there as Nebraska loses another game uh, disappointing fashion and really uh, pretty similar to the loss against Colorado and Indiana. I mean, Nebraska was up 10 nothing, should have been more. Colorado was 17 nothing, probably should have been more. Um, Indiana was 14 to 3, and then the Hoosiers mounted, uh, marched back um, yeah, at that point. So um, all three of those losses to me have been swing losses for this season. Uh, you get two of those, it has a different feel. You get all three. Um, you know, obviously feel way better about this year sitting at seven and two, but here we are four and five guys with Maryland and Iowa and, and then obviously Wisconsin coming up next. It's not going to get any easier. And I, I think the quarterback discussion has really gotten heated up even more than we ever thought. I think going into the season, the thought of anybody, you know, coming in for Adrian Martinez because he was struggling was not even in our, our, our realm of thought. And here we are on a bye week and it's a legitimate question being asked to Scott Frost. Adrian Martinez is missing wide open guys. He didn't run it as well early or they weren't calling runs for him in that game. And uh, we know no Vedrills played well. McCaffrey didn't travel. He's played well. Uh, the gap has been closed. I think everybody would agree, Robin, when you look at that quarterback room and these final three games to me are so big for Adrian Martinez to prove he is the guy we once thought he was. You go back to August, I think the only way people saw somebody replacing Adrian Martinez was if he left early for the NFL. <laughs> I mean, you think about just the hype that was around that guy. Uh, I mean, he was a preseason Heisman Trophy candidate, and people were talking to him. Uh, we had him as our number one quarterback in the Big Ten, and now here we are. Was uh, he number one for us in our – For number one. Oh, my yeah. gosh. But it wasn't it didn't no, it wasn't I crazy. I mean, literally he was one of the top like ju people criticized it was Justin Fields and uh and Adrian Martinez. And so uh I mean, there was plenty of reason to base that off of the way he played at the end of last season, the improvements, the offense as a whole made under um, you know his direction uh in, in year 1. And so going into year 2, you know, this was supposed to be a breakout campaign for Adrian Martinez and it's been anything but. Um the regression we've seen uh, from him has been startling in a lot of different ways for a guy that looked so good uh, and so elite at times 
Uh, now it just seems like he, he's having trouble getting out of his own way. I mean, missing wide-open receivers against Purdue. He hits any one of those wide-open touchdown passes that he just kind of overthrew. Uh, that game's a completely different story. Um, and just the hesitancy and uh, just frustration he seems to be playing with um, really leads to you to believe that you know maybe – all this off-season attention and uh, hype got to him a little bit to where he felt the pressure to be a Heisman Trophy quarterback on every single snap. And then, you know, things didn't go well early and then stuff starts to compound and snowball on it. And so, I, I, yeah, I agree. These next three games are very important because um, what we saw against Purdue, I mean, the fourth quarter was good, but uh, there's been far too many instances of this offense being completely inept when Adrian's at quarterback. And you pair that with... Um, the flashes that Noah Vedrill and even Luke McCaffrey to an extent have shown when they've gotten their opportunities, that gap is as close as it's ever been. And he needs to play well and play consistently in order to preserve that number one title going into next year. Yeah, it really does make you wonder exactly what, what is going on with Adrian. You know, what is the issue? I know, yeah, he's lost some key pieces. He lost Stanley Morgan Jr., you know, Divino Zigbo, a couple guys from the offensive line, and that's really going to – uh, impact it still you. shouldn't matter for but, the great ones but so. yeah I mean that's yeah that's the thing is it, it shouldn't it shouldn't matter if you're missing wide open guys and, and you know if looking hesitant on the football field I mean he just he never looked that way last year and um you know I'm I'm really curious there's got to be some some sort of underlying issue there uh that is that is kind of holding him back or that has really kind of impacted his play this year but the bottom line is, I think, like Robin said, when, when Noah Vedral and, and even Luke McCaffrey to a certain extent, when they've gotten their opportunities, they've looked just as good. I, you know, At this point in the season, I don't think you can really say, well, um, Martinez is the only, the only quarterback on the roster that gives you a shot to, to win. I, I, you know, I think it's kind of a coin flip at this, well, and, at this point in time. And as we talk quarterbacks here on the Husker Online Show, here's the gamble you make. If you pull Martinez from a game, like let's just say last week – you pull them out in the third quarter and go Vedral. It's never the same probably ever again at that point. And are you willing, and I said this on the chat this week, are you willing to throw it all out the window and say you no longer are the guy and, and we're, we're shaking it up here? Because that's a big gamble when you know how good this guy has been when he's been at its best. And I do think Scott Frost being a quarterback – you know, where fans wanted him benched for at times in 96 and 97, he's got the, the mental – knowledge of that a head coach that stuck behind him and Tom Osborne and it paid off and I think there's some of that going on right now uh, with how he's managed Adrian he knows he's not playing anywhere near his best football uh, but he also knows you know it would be detrimental maybe to his career if they pulled him at this point and are you willing to walk down that road right now yeah as bad as things have gone for Adrian he's still their guy and Scott Frost said on Wednesday, there was never a thought during that Purdue game of pulling Adrian Martinez out of that game unless he was injured. And so they were going to stick with him, you know, good times and bad. And uh, like I said, it, it kind of paid off with the way that he was able to kind of regroup and get things going a because little Because they ran him like a horse. Yeah. I mean, they, it, they, 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 they didn't do that in the first half. Yeah. Uh, said they're running shovel passes at the goal line, but that's a different story. Uh, <laughs> they uh, With Adrian, I mean, like I said, they're, they're going to ride this thing out, and it's going to be a situation where um, he's essentially going to have to force their hand to where 
things are going to get to a point where it's so bad that Frost and the staff have no choice but to make a change. And, you know, whether that's injury or whether it's performance-based, we don't know. But it sounds like this staff is not even considering the option of making a, a long-term change at that position. Adrian Martinez is their guy, and like I said, they're going to roll with him. And I think it does have everything to do with Frost being a former quarterback. And, and I don't I forget where I heard the story, but um, I know Frost has talked about one time where he got booed uh, at Memorial Stadium. Central Florida game. Yeah, the Central Florida game. He got booed basically off the field, and Tom Osborne came to him and said, you're like, don't worry about it. You're, you're our guy. I believe in you. I have faith in you. You're, you're going to get this done. And – and he's talked about how that how much that meant to him when you know when things weren't going well when the fans inside Memorial Stadium even were booing him um, that that he knew his head coach had his back and and so I, I guarantee you that that's kind of the same similar situation here between Frost and Martinez. I think the biggest thing we we need to see that eye of the tiger back in Martinez where he has that fierce competitor look and it just hasn't felt that way. Well, you saw a little bit of that in that fourth quarter, and, that final drive. I mean, he was playing with some fire again. And if that means that you need to run him more, run him more. I mean, they haven't had that luxury. Not running him in the first half might have cost him that game. I think it did. I mean, because you score and go up 14 nothing, You kick off again. Purdue's down 14 nothing on their 20-25 yard line. You kind of like your chances right there I do, yeah. at I, that point. I 100% agree with you. But we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, more offensive things, redshirt talk, um, who's got games left to play, and uh, the management of some players like Ramir Johnson. We'll get into all that next here. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, I think in a lot of areas we've made a ton of progress. Uh, there's some other areas I'm not satisfied with where it is. You know, I, I don't want to pick two teams in this league out and say they're physical. This whole league's physical. Uh, so we got a lot of respect for the guys that we're getting ready to play in, in the next few weeks. I think we're, we're a stronger team than we were. We still need more depth and uh, a few things of that nature. But, you know, when injuries pop up and you don't have the depth, it, it really starts to, to limit you a little bit. But our, our guys are excited and, and they're fighting. And you know, we've had some unit meetings, the whole offense and whole defense, to kind of show some of the little things that are holding them back right now, and uh, we got to get them addressed. And welcome back here to the Husker Alliance Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, a segment of the Husker Alliance Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with locations in both Omaha and Lincoln. It's bye week, great college football action going on, Iowa, Wisconsin. you got Alabama, LSU. Perfect week to be off with Huskers to go in and watch some of these college football games at your favorite sports bar. Get on into Tanner's, catch all the action Saturday, all the NFL games here on Sunday. And and you heard Scott Frost is talking about the road ahead, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, and then Maryland. I mean, very, very physical teams. But, you know, he wasn't going to take the bait there and say, you know, these are the most physical teams in the conference. I mean, he, he, he made a great point. Every game, every team. Purdue and Northwestern are physical, and I think that's the difference with this league, Robin, between eight, nine years ago when Nebraska first joined. Teams like Purdue really weren't trying to competitively stay in the Big Ten. Now they're paying their coach as much as Nebraska. Um, and you, you, this league in general across the board, um, I know they may not go on record and say this, but you have to think Frost and his coaching staff have realized this league's even better than they probably realize as far as the consistency, the physicality, the level of coaching, everything across the board. Yeah, there are 
no more days when you have uh, a game off or a game that you can just kind of coast through. It's like the NFL uh, almost. Yeah, I mean, literally, Illinois will beat you like they did to Wisconsin. You know, Purdue, uh, go down the list. Even even Northwestern, as bad as they are, I mean, Nebraska barely won that game. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's a situation where if you have flaws, they are going to get exposed week in, week out. It's a copycat league where um, people can get the book on you uh, out there pretty quickly and it's now that there's you know, almost uh, two full seasons of film out there on frost uh, and this defense you know they pick up on tendencies uh, and right now uh, with nebraska not being able to be very multiple uh, nebraska's pretty easy to, pre- to predict i mean you know what they're going to do you know who's going to get the football because only four or five guys get the ball uh, and so you key in on a handful of guys and all of a sudden this offense has has nothing to work with and i think that's a whole nother layer of all of this too is the coaching staff adapting to the big to a new conference and and trying to get their roster up to adapt to things too. I mean, um, you know, he talked about how how physical everybody is and and how a couple injuries can really hurt you. Whether that's you know, especially when you have a lack of depth, whether that's up front in the in the trenches or if that's to a skill guy here or there. I mean, or your quarterback or whatever. I mean, uh, at this point in in the in the stage of things, I mean, you've got. You've got a roster that is is uh, inexperienced and, and lacks a lot of depth, and, and so you're going to take your lumps. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. As we look, guys, let's talk about the red shirts here. Right now there's been four guys that have exhausted their red shirt from the freshman class. Um, Garrett Nelson, you have Wandell Robinson, Luke Reimer, kind of the surprise one of that group. He's played a lot of special teams. Quentin Newsom um, has played some defense, some specials, hasn't gotten a lot of snaps, but those are the four guys that have exhausted it. Ramir Johnson's at three. Um, Darian Chase is at three games. They have one more game left to play. You've got a bevy of guys at one or two, though, like Chris Hickman's at two. Noah Paula Gates is at two games. Um, Luke McCaffrey's at two. Bryce Benhart and Jakeem Green or Keem Green, they're both at one. It will be interesting, like Ethan Piper hasn't played at all this year yet in a game, how they manage those games. And I don't know if there's an easy way or a a plan that you can go with because you just got to win the games. And we've talked about this before. The the rule is almost more trouble than good at times because it makes you really have to think about these situations that maybe you didn't have to think about two years ago. Yeah, I mean, you, you played a guy, you knew he was going to be there for the rest of the season no matter what. So it was kind of a, a yes or no decision. We're going to either play him or we're not. We're now, you kind of pick your situations. What game should we play him in? What situations do you think that he would be best? What, what special teams roles can he play? And that's caused a lot of confusion and I think really hindered uh, the ability to just go with the guy and mix him in and prepare him week in, week out as if he's going to be a factor uh, at his particular position. So... Uh, yeah, I, I think this rule, I mean, this is kind of one of those unintended consequences of it where it seemed like a, a no-brainer decision at first, but now you're starting to see some of the other layers um, that are causing some problems for coaching staffs uh, where you almost manage the situation too much to the point where uh, you're doing yourself and the player a, a disservice at times with, with just how they're being used. Um, but, you know, I think with these next three games, I think there has to be a point where you need to give guys a chance. Um I mean, maybe you're still don't want to send the message that you're giving up on the season. The fact that technically bowl eligibility is still out there, uh, but at what point do they get in the year where you know you just give Ramir Johnson the ball? 
you know, and let let him be the guy for a little bit. Um, you know, get Luke McCaffrey some some snaps, some more significant game action. Uh, play some of those young wide receivers that have been close since the spring but never see the field. I mean, um, the offensive line. I mean, that's a bit of a different story, especially against Wisconsin, Iowa. Uh, you don't want to completely shatter a guy's confidence by getting destroyed by AJ Epinesa. But uh, I do think that there are opportunities to. Give these guys real live game experience, especially when there's zero consequence as far as their eligibility, to prepare yourself better for roles that they're going to take on next season. I mean, you're just running out of opportunities to do it, and at some point the staff has to make some hard decisions on whether or not um, you know they're going to turn to the future or continue to ride out whatever um, slip, sh- sliver of opportunity might still remain this year. Well, especially since bull eligibility is, is not looking so hot right now. I mean – um, you know, if you're if you were hoping to to really get you know the, some of those young guys a ton of reps in in December leading up to the bowl game, and now that may not happen or, or is likely to not happen, um, you know, unless you know, unless things really kind of turn around here, um, you know, do, yeah, does it does it bode well for you to kind of get the Ethan Piper in there, get Bryce Benhart in there, get Ty Robinson in there? You know, those are all guys here over the last couple of weeks that we've heard, you know, we're going to see some of and, and they're they're ready to go or they've been repping with some of the top units and, and they're going to be, you know, they're they're ready to, to play at a higher level. They're, they've kind of reached that point. So, um, you know, I don't know what it looks like. I don't like. see it, though, man. I, yeah, I, I mean, And I don't either. But I, They just haven't done that ever in two years. I, I just don't see them be like, you know what, Bo Wilson, we're going to sit you down and we're going to go with Ethan here. I mean, I, I just don't see him doing that. I mean, I, I, it just seems like it's way out of character with how they've played personnel, Nate. Yeah, I don't, and I don't disagree with you. But, um, yeah, I for, for whatever reason, I, I think they've kind of – have overthought some of this stuff and and maybe you know maybe they and I don't know if there's been and I from what I understand there's they don't make promises like well we guarantee you're going to play as a freshman or or you you definitely will not play as a freshman or whatever you know I, I don't think they make deals like that at all but um but at the same time I mean it, it sounds like they've really overthought this script, but what, when the game starts, a lot of times, I mean, that script goes right out the window pretty quick a lot of times. Yeah, a lot of times, like Mike Tyson said, everyone's got a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. I think Nebraska has a game plan or a thought process each week, but when the game comes unraveled and you get into like the actual battle of the game, you kind of have to throw out, you know what, the uh, Chris Hickman plan is gone at this yeah. point. <laughs> the Jakeem Green, I mean, Jakeem Green, I do think will play, though. I think. Um, you know, especially Wisconsin and yeah. Iowa. I mean, you need his body. Tuyotes um, kind of talked or hinted at, at that, like that they've been saving him for some of those more physical games where they're going to go with a four-man front. All right, hold that thought. We're going to talk more defense um, and, and give some thoughts on the defense and what we might see here coming off the bye week. Next, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, we watched and poured over that thing. That there was times when the defense played really well. There were some serious breakdowns in coverage uh, that I think needed to be addressed um, on the coaching staff and on the team in that game. Um, we gave up too many easy things, and and there's simple things we can do to fix that. But that's kind of been the story: is, is we can't seem to, as a team, play great at the same time. The defense played. Played well and special teams played well and put offense in position to have 20 or 30 points at halftime. Offense didn't do it. 
you know, then the offense rallies and gets us two leads in the fourth quarter, and, and the defense gave up four drives at the end of the first half and second half. We got to put it all together. Um, when this thing turns, it's really going to turn, but we got to play more complete game as a team. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. As you heard Scott Frost um, say there, I mean, they just haven't put it all together um, at times. And, you know, Eric Schneider's crew did come out swinging early in that game. They forced multiple three and outs to start out the Purdue game. They gave the offense, what, 11 Robin of their 13 possessions inside Purdue territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nebraska was not able to capitalize on that. And then the script flipped, just like Colorado. The script flipped um, when the defense held the Buffaloes to under 100 yards in the first half. And then all of a sudden, the Buffaloes went for 350-plus in the second half. And um, it turned into a shootout type of deal. So that's been the story. And I, when I look at the defensive struggles, to me, it's almost as simple as this right now. They don't have anybody that can beat Big Ten offensive linemen consistently to get to quarterbacks and, and disrupt plays at this point. And if you can't do that with four-man rushes and you got to bring blitzes that aren't getting home, your coverage is that suspect, everything's really struggling, and, and they just aren't getting to quarterbacks. Yeah, they don't have the pass rushers, and they're not good enough at linebacker. Those are the two things I see. Um, because they're not able to get to the quarterback, uh, those linebackers are left in coverage, and they cannot stick with receivers crossing over the middle or tight ends going over the middle, and those passes are there all day, every day, no matter who they play. And you talked about how you know the book is out there on Nebraska – the books out there on the defense. I mean, those are the types of plays that are going to work for you uh, time and again because they just don't have the the horses right now to counter it. Um, I mean, you, you can throw a bunch of blitzes that aren't getting home. That doesn't change anything. The secondary, you know, they're, they're playing well, but when they're asked to cover for, you know, seven to ten seconds, uh, they're going to get beat. I mean, that's just the nature of the position. So, um, you know, I, I guess I don't know how they can get much better than what they are at this point. I mean, because they just don't have anybody else to play at linebacker. Uh, and when you're not getting any pressure, you have to scheme up blitzes, and that's going to put yourself at disadvantages at coverage. And when those blitzes don't get home, I mean, there's really a, a rock and a hard play situation there. So I I mean, I, I would anticipate that this for the rest of the year, the defense we've seen so far, I mean, that's about as good as it's going to get. And now it's up to the offense to be able to counter that by scoring more points and taking advantage of the opportunities that that defense does provide uh, within the course of a game. And I think that's the the frustrating thing for fans watching is we're like, okay, well, the linebackers can't cover, so get someone who can. Well, <laughs> they don't have anybody that can. Yeah. Um, Play or, a freshman yeah, walk-on? Yeah, exactly. Or, or the guys that, that may be a little bit better are, have no experience whatsoever at this point in time. So, um, you know, in, in your – you're just kind of limited there, especially at that linebacker uh, spot, whether it's in the passing game or in the run game. You know, if you're if you're limited athletically, you're going to overcompensate. You're going to be maybe a little over aggressive and and you're going to be, you know, missing your run fits or, or get sucked in on on certain plays. I mean, it's just the book is definitely out there. And, and um, you know, it's it's hurt Nebraska bad. And uh, I mean, that's that's definitely an area that, that has to get addressed here. Um, you know, I think you do have to kind of tip your hat to the secondary for for a lack of a pass rush and for as as poor as the linebackers have been. Um, you know, I, I do think that they've performed pretty well. And Braxton Clark stepped up, um, kind of got thrust into a starting role there. And, and uh, you know, I think he's done he's done well for a redshirt freshman getting his first start, too. 15 of the 31 completions Purdue had came on Nebraska's inside linebackers mm-hmm. in that game, and they had nearly half of the passing yards on the inside linebackers. So the book is out. I mean, that you run crossing routes, 
you make Nebraska's linebackers have to communicate and switch off, and they just don't do it. They just don't communicate well. They don't switch off well. And too many tight ends and streaking guys across the middle um, in those zone defenses get by Nebraska's linebackers, and it has just killed them, especially when you have an NFL tight end like Bryson Hopkins we saw last week. And guess what? Iowa has good tight ends, and so does Wisconsin. <laughs> and uh, Maryland has a transfer from Buffalo that was first-team All-Mac. I don't know what is what he's doing this year, but they're going to see more tight ends, and they're going to see more good running backs as well. Um, especially Maryland has good running backs. We know Wisconsin. And guess what? Jonathan Taylor, they're trying to throw him the ball more this year because he wants that for his NFL draft. Oh, sure, you got to get that film. Yeah, uh, Bryson Hopkins, Purdue's tight end, had eight catches for 97 yards. In that he game. might be first team all Big Ten. I, mean, I don't know who – I mean, in terms of his production, I think he's number one in the conference. Play Nebraska every week, he'd be an All-American. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, but again, it goes back to the question of what do you do to fix it? I mean, Frost hinted that a lot of those uh, coverage breakdowns were simple fixes. Well, you're you're at the point now where if it Nothing is a simple, simple fix, why hasn't it been done yet? Like I, that's I know just reading our message board and Twitter and stuff, those types of comments just irritate the heck out of fans because if it is just this, you know, a couple corrections here and there, why haven't you done it? Why haven't you made those changes and addressed? those breakdowns to where they stop happening, you know, nine games into the season. Um, it's kind of one of those, I guess, a rhetorical question at this point, because uh, it seems like we keep asking it and are never going to get an answer. Yeah, it's kind of like a dog chasing its tail. Like, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. If it's, you know, if it's not getting a player that can do it, then then it's adjusting your scheme or, or what. I, I don't I don't know. It's it's uh, that's the kind of the the million dollar question as far as um, you know what the the simple fix is because um, you know if it hasn't happened by now then then chances are you know it's we're not going to see it happen all of a sudden here over the next over the next month uh, you know leading up to the end of the season. Well, and the numbers don't lie. Uh, Pro Football Focus has out of thirty nine defensive players that have played this year, Muhammad Barry is Nebraska's thirty ninth ranked defensive player. Sure. Um, you know he's got a grade of forty four point two out of on a hundred scale. And then not far away from him on there is Will Honus. He's the next lowest graded defensive starter on Pro Football Focus. So the two weak links as far as grades on a third-party pro grading service, and you can take it for whatever you want, are the lowest you know, are inside linebackers right now. And uh, defenses have gone at those guys over and over and over again because of those reasons. Do you know where Colin Miller is? Colin Miller is the 13th overall player so in terms of starters, he's one, two, three, four, five, six. He's the se- if you count Ben Stilley as right. a starter, he's like the seventh graded guy that plays. Kind of begs you to wonder why doesn't Colin Miller play more? Maybe that's one of the quick fixes. Is you know the guy that's actually producing on the field. Well, he's he's played equal snaps to Honus. Well, maybe he should play more. And then Barry's Bear, Bear, <laughs> Bear, only played about fifty more snaps. Yeah, and I, that's kind of the thing where they're they're handcuffed a little bit. Is you know those guys eventually have to, to get subbed out and get a breather. And when you only have three guys and two of those guys are vastly underperforming, what do you do? I mean, do you turn to Joey Johnson? I don't think that that's in the cards right now. Yeah, you can't run those guys down to the ground and then try to roll them out against Wisconsin and, and Iowa, you know, and, and say, okay, go <laughs> go, uh, go, yeah. go toe-to-toe with these guys here. I mean, that's tough. I mean, I know that they've tried to manage that load. I mean, Barrett Root has talked about – the rotation that he's got to have and and ideally how deep he'd like he'd like to be six deep at inside linebacker but 
I mean, he's barely two. But yeah, barely two. <laughs> You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, guys. Um, any final thoughts here on defensive personnel stuff? I mean, it will be interesting, as we mentioned, Jakeem Green, how many snaps he'll see um, if they'll rotate him in more on that defensive line group. Yeah, and he's going to be, I think, part of it because they are going to face teams that aren't going to hide what they do offensively. They're going to try and punch Nebraska squarely in the face, and that front seven has to answer the call going into November when we've seen things get very difficult for this team over the last few years this month. And I have a feeling we're going to see more of a four-man front against teams like Iowa and uh, in Wisconsin there. I mean, they might switch things up, and, and that could allow a guy like Keem Green to get on the field a little bit more. Will be interesting. We'll, we'll take your questions next in the mailbag. Grace Harmon will join us here in studio. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We're going to try to use as many guys as we can without wasting a year. And if guys were going to get limited reps, it doesn't make any sense to, to play them 30 snaps all year and have that be one of the years of eligibility. So we got to look out for the team, number one, but also for those guys' well-being. Just burning a year to, to play a few snaps here and there doesn't make sense. But if, if we have games left with them, we'll try. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, Grace Harmon joining us here in studio for the mailbag as... It's winding down here, Grace. Your your final semester of college is about a, a month left or so. Yeah, about seven weeks, and then I'm into the real world. Oh boy, we're exci- well, we're gonna miss you, uh, but mm-hmm. we we still got good good seven plus weeks left with you. But let's get to the mailbag. What's next? All right. So why haven't there been personnel changes if the starters aren't getting the job done? I, I think it's just not that cut and dry. I, I still think those guys are the starters for a reason. They show what they do in practice. And, you know, just going wholesale changes to number twos or threes, I don't know, other than, you know, making a statement to those starters, what that's going to accomplish. Because, you know, the coaches do see the practices every day. We don't. Um, And you got to believe that they are playing the guys that will put Nebraska in the best position. But it is, you know, it does lead for a good debate on times like this. Yeah, you would think that those guys, um, you know, obviously are in those starting roles for a reason. And that if the coaches thought that these backups were better, especially with some of the um, lacking performances on game day, they would have made the changes by now. So to think that all of a sudden they're going to upheave the roster and make these massive wholesale changes, I just don't see it happening. Now there's some spots where I think you can mix in some guys, uh, maybe split some reps up a little bit more, but uh, to make any massive change on the starting lineup, I I just don't think uh, it's going to happen because if it were, it would have happened already. Yeah, every time I get asked a question like that, I always say, well, Trust me, the coaches want to win just as much as you want them to win. And, and I think if, if uh, they thought that a massive wholesale change and, and you know, starting a bunch of backups would give them a better shot at winning, they would probably do it. But I think obviously that's not the case. Um, you know, and, and in a lot of cases, they don't have anybody better. Uh, so they just kind of have to, to ride with, with some of the guys that they have. All right, so from all of your perspectives, are Nebraska's problems right now either talent, scheme, training, or desire? Which one the most? God, I mean, we, we've gotten so many of these types of questions, guys, on the chat, and it's like every time I just want to be like, all of the above. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's just <laughs> everything I, I think is still a work in progress. They're lacking talent in key situations. They, they don't move people on the offensive line consistently. They don't protect consistently. They don't get to quarterbacks um, with four-man rushes. They don't have size on the perimeter. 
Um, they are still in this year two of a strength and conditioning culture program. I mean, there's a lot of things, yeah. And the turnover on the roster, the attrition has played a big factor. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there is one answer, two answers, even three. I think there's a laundry list of reasons why this program is where it is right now. And you just go back and listen through the, the previous three segments that we've had. Uh, we've hit on a lot of them. Um, it, it, it is coaching issues. It is depth issues. It's just talent issues. It's just drive, desire issues. Uh, I mean, it's, it's across the board of things that Nebraska is just not doing well enough right now. Uh, and so, I mean, there's, <laughs> I don't know where you start uh, to, as far as improving all of this, but you know, they, they got to get going on a lot of, a lot of things here very quickly going into next year. Yeah. To, to kind of piggyback off that, I'd, I guess I'd add mental toughness. There's, there's yeah. some of that, you know, when, when adversity strikes, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, sometimes you'd like to see them bow up and um, it doesn't always happen, but yeah, it's it's a multitude of of layers with uh, with everything, and I think it's just it's just going to take time. We're taking your questions here in the mailbag with Grace Harmon. All right, got a quick basketball one for you, Robin. Did anyone stand out or surprise you in the first game of the Fred Hoiberg era? <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Uh, that was as bad as uh, anyone could have possibly imagined uh, in all aspects. Your thoughts? No one was good. Uh, I mean. There were flashes. I mean, you know, Cam Mack did a couple plays. Uh, Ivan Wajirogo looked good at times. Um, but really, that's uh, as bad of an all-around game as I've seen covering Nebraska basketball. And on that beat, I've seen a lot of really, really bad basketball. So uh, chart, that, chart that one up as uh, one of the worst. <laughs> yeah, when you schedule these games, I mean, you schedule an opener to win. I mean, yeah. Florida we, Gulf Coast was like the only time they really scheduled somebody kind of good recently to open a year. Am I right with that? Yeah, the open PBA. And other than that, they, you you typically schedule like just, you know, a bunch of chumps so you get a win. And, I mean, that's kind of what they were well, trying they, to do. they scheduled the Big West uh, team that was picked seventh in the preseason standings that was without two of its best players, and they still lost by 19 at home. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> And Southern Utah comes in. Southern Utah on Saturday. So um, that's a team that I think just scored 100 some points against a NAIA team or you know whatever level that is. So hopefully they can bounce back. Uh, I can't imagine it will ever get one as game worse is not going to define. That's right. That's right. They got 29 more to, to figure yeah. it out. What do you got next, Grace? All right. With concerns at the linebacker position for next year, what are the chances they move a younger player like Miles Farmer or someone like that to outside linebacker? I haven't heard that. I, I do think, though, one of the inside line, I, I do know this, one of the inside linebackers, any of them, they want one of those guys to eventually move to the outside. Now, I don't know who that's going to be. Nate, you might have a better read on that. But um, I think over time, one of those inside guys, they would like to move out to the outside. Yeah, well, I mean, you go back and look at the – the recruiting film um, and a lot of those guys did have success in high school, at least rushing the passer and, and operating off the edge. Um, you know, Jackson Hanna had recorded a lot of sacks that way um, and, and had success doing that. Um, you know, and Garrett Snodgrass, obviously, I mean, he's a guy that, that played pretty much everywhere for York. And so, I mean, I think he might have the ability, but I also know that Miles Farmer and Javen Wright, you know, when they were being recruited, you know, they had been looked at like, okay, well, this might be a guy that has a frame that, that could eventually spin down from safety or defensive back to down the to, field, the field side, not the boundary. Though. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I just think it's too early to say. I mean, those guys haven't been in the in the strength conditioning 
for even a full year yet. So I think it's too early to say if they're ready to make that move. But I think that that's definitely something to, to keep an eye on here in another year or so, depending on how their bodies mature and develop. And if it, if it were a safety, Nate, you're saying that guy would probably be, be more like a field a field corner or field OLB and then – you know, the inside guys, if they move down, would be a boundary. Exactly. Yeah. They. Yeah. The the safety. You know, if if Miles Farmer made the move down, he would be he'd be like uh, Caleb Tanner. Uh, you know, not um, not Garrett Nelson. And you know, I do think Nick Heinrich or Heinrich is doing really well behind yeah. the scenes. We know Luke Reimer. I've heard really good things, even um, about Zach Schlager. Um, I know that he could be a special teams guy by next year at this time after he sits out his year. So they've got younger guys there. Uh, they're going to need them all to step up. All right. What do you have left here? We got time for one more grace. All right. So starting off November, who would be your Heisman pick at this moment? Man, I mean, can you not say Joe Burrow at this point, but I, I, I do think, uh, young chase young, chase young from Ohio state. I mean, how, how will that vote be divided up with with Fields and Young? I mean, that's two legitimate Ohio State guys. Uh, but today, right now, Joe Burrow would be the guy. And it just pains, I think, Nebraska fans to say that because this was a guy that would have crawled to Lincoln. He probably would have, you know. I mean, come, he was pretty much begging to, to come here. And you turned away the Heisman freaking trophy winner. <laughs> Four? Four. Uh, Kevin Dillman. The <laughs> he played JV tight end though, Nate, as a senior. No, he played JV quarterback. I thought he played tight end too. He moved to tight end. They, North Texas, which is where he went after he <laughs> after Mike Riley cut him loose when Riley was hired. Uh, and he never played it down at North Texas. Did he? Uh, I think he played a little bit at tight end. But we they, need Sarasota Husker to do kind of a breakdown on yeah, that. They guy. promptly moved him from quarterback to to tight end after he signed with North Texas. Unreal. Yeah. So yeah, I think Burrow's probably the favorite. But uh, if there was every year. Uh, maybe next to the Sioux year where a defensive player had a chance to be firmly in the conversation, Chase Young's up there because he's a high pro he's one of the highest profile players on the team on a you know college football playoff team and he is putting up mon- numbers that are Crazy. unbelievable. He's changing games single handedly. And so uh I'd like to see it. I want to see a defensive guy win the Heisman though uh Joe Burrow has definitely earned it. Now Nate well, could- I- Chase Young, he can't win the Outland though, right? Because he's a he's an outside guy. You have to be an interior D lineman. Yeah, I think you have to be an interior D lineman or, or offensive lineman or offense. Sorry, lineman. I didn't mean to cut you off before that. I, I was going to say I think that if Joe Burrow beats Alabama, that he's got to be considered the odds-on favorite to yeah. to win it because he's not going to see another tough game yeah. like this all the way to the SEC title game. And yeah, he's just going to have so many opportunities. And what he's got thirty touchdown passes with. Uh, Four games or three games left still <laughs> at LSU, which their offense prior to this hey, year was, was the last time they had a quarterback, Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, and there's a lot of Nebraska. You got Bill Bush, the safeties coach there. Kevin Cosgrove is a defensive analyst. You got Jimmy Burrow, former Husker. He's around there. I mean, it, it, there is a lot of reason for Nebraska fans to cheer and watch for LSU because you've got some Nebraska ties at least down there to kind of watch. And yeah. obviously, Burrow being a legacy. Who's your vote, Grace? I want to see a defensive player win it there just because it's unheard of. So, Chase Young. All right. Well, that wraps up the mailbag. When we come back, we're going to talk some bi-week recruiting with Nate Klaus in some JUCO recruiting. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. <laughs> 
listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, you, you run out of weekends. We have, this is a year that falls where we only have two recruiting weekends in December. Uh, so we got to take advantage of the two home games and, and the two weekends in December and, and get as many guys in here that, that we want as we can. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. As you heard Scott Frost there with some bi-week recruiting thoughts here. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by our friends at Coogler Vision. Nate Klaus, tell them about your experience with Coogler Vision. Yeah, the the, uh, the weather is changing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's that time of year where when you're wearing glasses and you're getting in and out of your car, you're coming in and out of outside – uh, they fog over or your contacts are drying out in the cold wind and uh, ditch those glasses and, and contacts. Get with Coogler Vision and, and see what they can do for you to, to correct your vision with a simple LASIK procedure. Now, bye week, Nate, recruiting again. Uh, staff already out. They were out on the road early in the week. I know uh, on Wednesday they were out, according to people I talked to around practice. Uh, some coaches were back, but some were already out and about. Um, it was interesting here, Coach Frost there, you know, they have two home games left, and then there's only going to be two December recruiting weekends before signing day. Usually you get three, but, man, that makes it – if you're a school like, say, Florida State right now, making a coaching change, you only have – those types of schools are only going to have two weekends to recruit and sign guys in the early class. So um, they are at a disadvantage. Nebraska has to bring in more guys these next two, then they'll just have two more after that. Yeah, they've got uh, – I think it's 31 – or 21 visits – that they've used so far, and so I mean they've got they've got some visits to use, but uh, definitely you're going to have to to continue to bring guys in when they're, you're sitting at 13 commitments right now, and uh, you know only like you said only a handful more opportunities to have guys on campus, and then obviously you're going to have to close uh, at a pretty decent rate once uh, once the contact period starts. So um, you know we, we know that they where we've been able to confirm at least three for Wisconsin so far. Uh, just uh, on Wednesday or Tuesday night, confirmed that uh, they're going to be hosting outside linebacker Josh Griffiths that's uh, actually committed to Florida State right now for the Iowa game. But I, I think that we will end up seeing you know probably five or six officials, maybe even a little bit more. Depending on if it's 2.30 or an 11. Yeah, depending on that on that kick time. And then obviously depending on you know how, how the, the playoffs are shaking out for a lot of these prospects. You know, it's that time of year where – um, you know, some guys go really deep and depending on where you're from, um, you know, the, your state championship game can run all the way into the first or second week in December. But, um, you know, and, 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 and then on the other hand, some of these guys' seasons have, have already ended or, or very well could end, you know, by this Friday. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I do think that the bye week, though, um, that will result in some more official visits being lined up and set in stone here for, for quite a few more guys. Nate, this is kind of a tough question, but, you know, with the struggles on the field, things not maybe going to plan. We, I know you get asked this all the time on talk shows, on the Husker Online chats every week. Has it affected recruiting? How can it affect recruiting? If you're Nebraska, how do you sell things or moving in the right direction when this season hasn't obviously gone the way you wanted it right now? Yeah, well, I would start with the commitments. Um, you know, from all those guys that I've talked with, I, I don't think they're in, you know, I don't think any of them are, are wavering. It's, I get the feeling that they're all sitting pretty tight. They all are, are bought in and believe in the coaches. They have great relationships with the coaching staff. Um, they believe in the direction that things are going. They kind of understand, you know, why things have kind of played out the way, the way they have. Um, now, as far as, you know, the recruiting trail, 
you know, with especially with some of the visitors that have come in, I, I think it has been a little bit difficult. I, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that it has um, completely ruined all their chances with everybody, but at the same time, um, you know, it hasn't necessarily helped either. And and so I, I, I do think that they may have lost out on on a handful of guys because of uh, the way the season has unfolded compared to maybe another school that they were looking at. or um, and, and the big thing is the negative recruiting that comes along with it is from the other coaches, not necessarily from what they're seeing from Nebraska on the football field, but it's it's coming from all these other schools who smell blood in the water and are kind of saying, hey, do you want to go there? I mean, look at look at what they're doing. And, and they were supposed to be this or that this year. And and, uh, you know, they're not taking a step in the right direction, whatever. But at the end of the day, I think it boils down to relationships. And I think this this coaching staff is really good at building those. Uh, they're very down to earth. They, they're very real, honest and upfront, uh, which is refreshing to a lot of these kids who, you know, most of the time when they're talking with a, with a coach, they're, that coach is telling them everything they want to hear. He's slick talking, you know, wheeling and dealing, whatever. Uh, but Nebraska, you know, they, they kind of take a low pressure approach. They're very upfront and honest and, and super laid back. And, and uh, for the most part, I think that resonates uh, quite well with, with most guys. And so, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I, like I said, it, it's not been detrimental to the recruiting efforts. But on the other hand, is it definitely has not helped a whole lot either. And, and, and it hasn't played out like Nebraska thought it would. You know, in August, we talked about how they were, they were feeling good, how they kind of wanted to bring in a ton of recruits. Um, you know, and, and kind of backload things because they felt the season was going to unfold a certain way. And, and that obviously hasn't quite happened that way. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk uh, recruiting and, and, and things to watch here. Nate, junior college recruiting, this is really when it heats up because typically, you know, you, you don't always know who the JUCO guys are in, in, the, in the spring eval period. Um, and a lot of times guys show up at new JUCOs and you need eight, nine, ten games of film to really know who the dudes are in Kansas and Mississippi and California, et cetera. That started to happen. We've seen Nebraska make more offers. Your biggest takeaway right now from the JUCO recruiting, and do you see Nebraska taking any JUCOs? Yeah, well, I definitely see them taking some JUCOs. I think we can all see some spots on the field where they need to have a, an instant impact guy, or at the very least, bring in somebody that could you know provide some depth uh, for sure. And, and I think you could make a case that there's probably you know five or six different positions where they could use a guy like that. I don't think they'll take that many this year. Probably only two to three would be my guess right now, but uh, definitely things have heated up. You know, and you're right. This is the time of year when when that typically happens, late October, early November. You know, it's probably about a, a three week period there where uh, it seems like all junior college recruiting takes off, and and a lot of that has to do with the fact that all those guys have a decent amount of film now, and all the coaches kind of they've got a really good feel for for where they need players at, where they need instant help at, and so. Uh, it all kind of comes together. Uh, we have seen a handful of offers go out, um, most most notably to defensive linemen, a couple defensive backs, a uh, new wide receiver recently, 6'3", 190-pound wide receiver out of Texas that's actually committed to, to Iowa State. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson is his name. And, and so, I mean, there's been, there's been a lot of action. Uh, it's been a little surprising that we haven't seen any linebackers? Uh, I thought that might be a position. Pass rush linebackers. Pass rush, yeah, outside guys, edge rushers. 
but everyone wants those guys is the hard thing. And they are they are hard to they are definitely hard to it find. It makes you appreciate Pelini's Jugo recruiting a little bit yeah. more that they got Bear, they got um David and Gregory and Gomes and you know Yoshi Hardrick. I mean, they made it look easy to get these guys and plug and play them into almost all conference caliber guys, and and that hasn't happened since then at Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a long time since Nebraska's had a guy, you know, a, a JUCO guy that's been plug and play, and and not only plug and play, but play at a very high level. Randy Gregory led the Big Ten in sacks his first year of the conference. Yeah, I mean, how many? I wonder in the history of the conference how many times that's ever happened yeah. with a newcomer coming yeah. in that showed up on August first. Yeah, my guess would be none. I, I would I would venture to say that. Randy Randy Gregory is probably the only guy that's ever done that. And I mean, if, and if Nebraska could go out and find Randy Gregory again this year, trust me, I think Ryan Held would be all over that guy. Uh, but they're very hard to find. Um, you know, I would say Dre Butler out of Independence Community College is maybe one of the, one of the closer guys. Now he's, he's a different player than Randy Gregory, uh, but he is an impact guy like Randy Gregory like that. So, uh, but yeah, that certainly keep an eye on the JUCO recruiting because I think that's that's going to be an, an important layer to this recruiting class here down the stretch. Well, Nate, I know you were in Kansas. Um, you had some coverage from down there last weekend, and um, we are going to have more coverage of the JUCO stuff, what's going on there, as well as the, the rest of the cycle. So make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com as uh, Robin will have you covered as well with the basketball game on Saturday. And we'll get you ready next week for Nebraska and Wisconsin. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 